If you want to pump your body and expand your mind, there's only one place to go. Mind Pump. Mind Pump. With your hosts, Sal Stefano, Adam Schaefer, and Justin Andrews. What a great time. Oh, everybody, you know what? Everybody has been uh, hounding us for when is Ben Pack's episode going to go anticipation. live? We wanted to wait, okay, because we shot a YouTube series with Ben. Super cool. He actually broke down his intraset stretching technique that he utilizes in one of his number one selling programs online that he has. Yeah, it's I've never uh it's very I've never unique. I've never done a technique like this before. I was familiar with like finishing a set and getting into deep stretch. Like what was that training called? Fascia dog, stretching. Well, no, dog crap training or DC training did it, they were called at one point. Yeah. Um, but it's oh. this is different. I know you guys are like, huh? That's literally uh, the name yeah, of it. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, this was different, and Ben um, told me that I guess they had done a controlled study on this particular technique, and it was very effective at building muscle. And since then, I've tried it a couple times. It does get you very sore. You do get a very ridiculous pump so it's and, well there's a protocol to it too because you better believe the very first thing that i asked him when i heard something that intense i was like okay obviously you don't recommend this non-stop and he's like no i think it was i think six weeks is what the program's protocol calls for i can't remember what he said but i asked that question when we were going through it on the youtube but he did a youtube series with us that we actually went through all the techniques so those that are interested in the techniques and go to the YouTube channel, check it out on Mind Pump TV. But yeah, he teaches you guys how to do it because there's a specific way to do it. Um, he had to really break it down for me because it was hard to understand as he was explaining it to me. Um, but it's pretty interesting. It's an interesting new technique. I was yeah, not familiar with. And I know with. he's he's combined that with his body parts because I know he's a body part split guy and he has that in his. He is, but his programs, when we look through some of his programs, although he does a split, he trains with more frequency than typical Body part splits. I well, think yeah. One of the big problems with splits that we've had is this whole once a week type of thing. But he advocates like two or sometimes three times a week. So although it's a split, it's similar to you know how we advocate uh, people work out or whatever. Um, but uh, I think we have something set up, right? If people want to check out more, get more information on it. Yeah, no, he has a discount. He has a discount for all the Mind Pump fans. So which there'll be a link in the show notes, and then also after the Mind Pump, I mean after the YouTube series, I know Doug will have a link in there also for it. And the programs, what's it called, Doug? Is it Mi Forty Extreme? Good. So we'll have that set up. But uh, Ben is one of um, com- becoming one of my favorite guests. Very intelligent guy. Uh, very self-aware, mm-hmm. um, super growth-minded, like super growth-minded. We got into some really good conversations in this podcast that some of them have nothing to do with like bodybuilding. We talked about uh, self-awareness and Although I mindfulness. Came, I came out the gates mm-hmm. on some bodybuilding questions. Out of him. I had to stir a little controversy. <laughs> he, he fucked me up in the gym, man. We worked out earlier in the morning uh. and he crushed me. And I looked at him and I said, listen, bro. When we get on the podcast, I'm going to dig at you. you. Fire at so you right out the bit. gates, I uh, came on and yeah. stirred some shit up just to get him get him backpedaling <laughs> a little bit. But uh, great episode, man! And he has uh, become a good buddy. He's of just ours. a real interesting dude, and 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 interesting to listen to. And I just love his mindset these days. It's it's definitely contagious. So. He's awesome. He'll oh. be he'll be out there with us at Olympia. So he'll be with us at Olympia. He'll also be with us at the Spartan race. Yeah, so. we're becoming uh, we're becoming best friends. Yeah, best. You know he's a good yeah. dude. Yeah. He's the he's the wolf in the wolf pack. Now, um, also this month we have the promo where we're giving away forum access for free. So we have a private forum. It's got about two thousand people on there. Uh, it's full of fitness professionals, competitors, 
Uh, there's bodybuilders on there. There's um, doctors. And, of course, me, Adam, and Justin are on there all the time. It's, a, it's an amazing resource, a place to ask questions, post videos, uh, whatever. As long as it has to do with fitness and health and wellness, uh, that's the place to do it. Normally, you'd have to pay for access, but we're giving it for free. All you have to do is enroll in one of our programs, one of our MAPS programs, or our bundles, including our MAPS Super Bundle, which has them all. It's about a year's worth of exercise program. It's one of the only programs I know of, or at least one of the only bundles I know of, where you can enroll and you've got your year planned out for you. Um, Enroll in any of those things, get forum access for free. You can find it at mindpumpmedia.com. And without any further ado, here we are talking to Ben Pakulski. Make sure you guys go check out his podcast too, Muscle Expert Podcast. You guys head over there, give him a five-star review, hook our boy up. So how's your guys' workout this morning? I heard uh, Adam came back and he's like, "Oh, cool. He took us. He th- took me through a nice easy." I came back. And I said, "Chest workout." I, said, yeah. you know, I text the boys. I said, Dude, "Shortest workout mm-hmm. ever." Ben's a pussy. Yeah. <laughs> Body weight shit. <laughs> Arm weight resistance. It was like we, the yeah. the idea was we handstand walks. We were going to do chest and shoulders. Right. I hit him up. I said, and he said, "Oh, good. I'm on the same." Or I said, "No." What I said was, "I just needed to touch chest and shoulders." Right. That's yeah. <laughs> and he said, "Yeah, me too." So we get in there, and yeah, I think jackhammer. Yeah, I think on like the fifth exercise size or so of chest. I'm like, hey, are we going to start shoulders anytime soon? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Adam came in. He's out. He's a little wavy, a little shaky in the hands. Mm. So, uh, what do you think? What do you think of the gym over there? Not bad, huh? I do mm. like it, man. I've been here before. I've been to the other what used to be Golds. Oh, okay. And I've been to that one. I think once before too. I went with Hani in 2010. I worked with Hani, so I came out here one time to train with him. Oh my! I did not know this. How was your training? Mm. We're going to talk about this. How did that training yeah. go? The pro maker, we had to, right? No, and here's this could be a paradigm shattering moment for me, and I'm sure there's people that are big Hani fans because I've kind of thrown subtle jabs at him, and I honestly I don't know enough to actually speak on it enough. And you expect me to talk about this on the podcast? Well, can you do it? Can you? <laughs> can we be PC about it? Man, I'm not a politically correct guy. Come on, well then, fuck it. It's well, mind pump. I don't give a shit. Do you give a shit? Better. Well, it's up to you. <laughs> I mean, we can edit. We can edit whatever you want to edit. We don't have to. I'll, I'll talk about it. I, here's actually here's the thing. I want you to talk about fucking everything I ask you because you said you're an open book, and I told you I'm coming after you for coming after me in the gym. All right. You came after me in the gym. Um, I'm coming after you around the gates. Fair. Here. So yeah. here's the deal, though. We talk about anything and everything, but afterwards, whatever you want out, dude, we'll pull out. So that's the deal. I just want to have a good conversation with you. So if afterwards, the pull out method. Yeah, yeah exactly. Adam's didn't work method. for me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're doing it wrong, bro. You're doing it wrong. Uh, no, so we'll. Uh, we're no, not recording this. Are we? It was just fuck yeah, we're recording. <laughs> we as soon this as is how mind here's pump how rolls. mind pump works. As soon as Doug throws the headphones on, we're fucking we, rolling. We did it your way last time. So so yeah. we're gonna talk. We're just talking about everything. We're talking about life, bro. Yeah, right man, now, did I? I'll, I'll pull the punches. I'll talk about it. Okay. So yes. and the reason why I I was I maybe we can do this somewhat PC, right? Because I've thrown jabs at Hani and I don't know him very well. Yeah. I just have happened to have picked up athletes that have been coached by him. People come, I got known real quick to, uh, if someone had got fucked up someone's metabolism or if you were a bikini girl who, you know, your coach told you to eat 1100 calories and do two hours of cardio for 13 weeks straight. Like if you had coaches that were doing things like that, I was the guy that you called up and I kind of helped you out, right? Man, so let's let's go there because you and I are both in the middle of, of quote-unquote transformations right now and they look completely opposite. 
Really? You don't think we look the same? Well, no. Like a little bit? At least our transformations look completely <laughs> opposite as far as our objectives, right? And I think people want to know what are we doing and, and why. And because we can both actually intelligently articulate the why and, and have a good amount of reasoning behind it, or at least I can. You're going to talk through your ass, but. Uh, <laughs> Boom. <laughs> same old, same old. <laughs> Not really. So yeah. I think people would be interested. And then we can you can throw those Hani questions out and we can talk about what his approach is. And I don't know what his current approach is because in 2010 I worked with him. Um, and I'll tell you the story, man. I turned pro in 2008, and I signed. I hired him in 2009 because the pro game, if you want to get any degree of traction in the pros, you have to get uh, eyeballs. You need to get significance. So I hired him literally as soon as I turned pro. I said, honey, I want to work with you because you're working with Phil. Everybody knows Phil. Or Phil's great. Did I learn anything from honey? No. Um, did I expect to learn anything from honey? No. Fair. Um, so – it is what it is, man. I came out to train with him. He was my coach, and I wanted him to see what I looked like, and, I, and we did a workout together. Was it a great workout? It was It was what it was. Um, you know, I, we spent two days here. We did two workouts, I think, and he trained me for two shows. First one, I got third place for the, in Tampa in 2009, and uh, it was funny that the day before the show, he goes, dude, you're not ready. You're not going on stage. And I go, relax, man. So the way I train, trained, um, I was constantly overtrained, constantly inflamed, uh, because I didn't know how to rotate my stimulus. I was a typical, you know, driven meathead who I fucking buried everybody in the gym. Nobody would come close. I buried them. But I also overtrained the shit out of myself. And I didn't know enough about fluctuating the biochemical stimulus in my body. So, you know, fluctuating between strength stimulus, hypertrophy stimulus, metabolic stimulus, and more importantly, how that influenced my body. Um, so I didn't change it. So I was always doing the same thing. So I was so inflamed. I never gave my body a chance to reduce that inflammation. So when, it, you know, two, literally the day before a show, he goes, dude, you're not ready. I go, honey, let's just drop my water and watch what happens. And we did. And I was the best conditioned guy on stage by far. Um, but the day before, because I was so inflamed from all the training I was mm. used to doing, my body, my ankles were like fucking. But you knew that. Yeah, because I was kind of, that's kind of my MO, man. Like that was always my thing since I started as a bodybuilder. I just trained and trained and trained because it's what I love to do. And then you know, you realize your goal is not just to train. Your goal is to be a great bodybuilder. So when I learned how to fluctuate stimulus and, and, and strategically change that, match my nutrition to the biochemical response of the training, uh, things changed. Things happened. Now, do you see with uh, – because this is common. I've, I've heard from a lot of people who compete in stage presentation sports like bodybuilding – um, where they push themselves so hard that eventually they, they call it burnout, like my body burns out. Mm -hmm. Now in the wellness uh, sphere, they'll refer to something like that, like they'll call it like adrenal fatigue, although we know there's no evidence uh, in terms of the adrenals getting fatigued, but the symptoms are very real, mm -hmm. the, you know, where you're tired, um, you know, low levels of depression, anxiety, food intolerances go up, stuff like that. Did you ever experience anything like that yourself? Yeah, for sure. Um. Yeah, <laughs> more than one occasion actually, and and sometimes you know you're there, man. Like I, you know, there's multiple occasions I can that come to mind that I knew I was there, but you're so close to the show you can't let off the gas pedal, right? And your only option at that point is more and more and more. And I know a lot of athletes get into this. I have to do more because you know every meathead. You know, sorry, I use that term kind of uh, derogatory. Yeah, 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 no, absolutely, but. Uh, I use it almost too often and it's too broad strokes. So specifically, any any coach, most coaches out there put their girls on or their guys on low carbohydrate, two hours of cardio, and then they go, oh, fuck, what do I do? And your only option is I have to do more. And a lot of people find them, themselves in that 
um, physician and they don't know how to change it. They don't know how to change their stimulus. They don't know how to fluctuate anything. And I've been guilty of that, you know, being three weeks out from a contest and going, well, I can't let off the gas pedal now. The only option I have is to do more. I'm not losing fat as fast as I want. And you go more and more and more. And more is not always better. More is often worse because you're just going to drive up more inflammation, drive up more cortisol, more sympathetic nervous system response. And your body just goes, you know, two, two middle fingers up. I'm not, not going to respond the way you want it to. Mm. And that, that's all too often the case in the fitness industry, right? Is <clears throat> people just get this huge hormonal cascade of, of, you know, cortisol and norepinephrine and they never allow their body to recover. And then fat loss is not even an option at that point. So here's what's interesting with that. So I've seen, uh, so adrenal fatigue has been thrown around in the wellness world for a long time. And Western medicine doctors laugh at it because, again, there's no evidence that the adrenals are actually getting fatigued. You know, um, except for actual cases where they have, you know, terms for them, like if you have Hashimoto's or other types of disorders. Nonetheless, the symptoms are real. And so there's an alternate theory that's coming out. And what happens sometimes in medicine is you see like a host of, of symptoms that tend to happen all together and you start to see a lot of it. And so people come up with theories of how it's working. What are the, what are the mechanisms behind the symptoms? And then they say, you know, a test will come out and say, okay, the, the mechanisms, the theory is not true. Therefore, that condition isn't real, but right. that's that's wrong because the symptoms still, still exist. There, sure. So there's this alternate theory, which I'm, uh, which really resonates with me, and it's uh, a, something called cortisol resistance, that's or a exactly form what of I was say, yeah, yeah a exactly form of okay. Yep. So so we know of leptin resistance, we know of insulin resistance. Both of those are are proven. We know that those are both uh, things that happen in the body. Yep. We know, uh, or at least bodybuilders, pro bodybuilders know that a form of, and this is speculative, of course, speculative, that a form of testosterone resistance will even happen with athletes where they'll use higher and higher levels of androgens and their bodies just stop responding to testosterone. Mm -hmm. Cortisol and catecholamine production, it only makes sense that your body will start to it desensitize itself to adapt to these elevated levels of epinephrine, norepinephrine, and cortisol. And some of the symptoms of that are needing stimulants to feel normal. Because yep. what you're trying to do is you're trying to stimulate more of that cortisol and get higher levels mm -hmm. to get the same kind of feeling. Um, and Or even, this is an, another interesting one that you'll see, is that people will actually place themselves in stressful situations not knowing that the reason why they're doing that is they're trying to create a novel way of stimulating more cortisol. So they'll find themselves being late uh, more often or not meeting deadlines or doing things that will create more of these stressful situations because there's this kind of temporary relief from this increased you know, uh, burst of cortisol. How do you feel about that, that, that theory or behind those symptoms? A thousand percent, man. It's the paradigm of, of our entire society right now is – Take as many stimulants as you can. Sleep, sleep as little as you can. Do as much as you can. It's go, go, go. Beast mode. Yeah, overstimulated with blue lights, artificial lights. Everyone's overstimulated. No one pays attention to anything on the back end as far as modulating inflammation, stimulating the parasympathetic response, getting better sleep, good quality sleep, taking care of their environment. All these things are massive, and it's the, it's absolutely true, man. Let's, I think it's more common uh, amongst average people as well, oh, as absolutely. well as fitness people. So it's I think that's – very likely to be the mechanism, and I, I don't know how extensively it's been studied. But do you are you did you ever train clients privately, or do you? I know you have people who work for you that do that, but do you yeah, ever? No, for years, man. For years, I did. Uh, I ran gyms from the time I was was uh, eighteen years old, and I you know for seven years I put myself through college as managing gyms. 
uh, selling personal training, being a personal trainer, all that stuff. I do. So you know as well as we do is that when you when you start to look at all the clients that you've trained over all those years, and you start to notice these patterns, and one of the things that I I remember picking up on, and it took years for me to put this together. But the pe- everyone's doing the wrong things, it seems like. So, for example, like you get the guy who is total yogi guy, hippie, hipster, you know, smokes weed like crazy, chill all the time. That guy could probably use a little bit of intensity and stress in his life every yep. now and then. Then you have the other the other person who is the, you know, works seven days a week, 14-hour days, manages 60 employees, stressed out of their fucking mind. What kind of, what kind of workouts do they like? They want to go new heavy. Hammer, yeah. hammer their shit, right? Yeah, they want to get hammered all the time. They love those high-intensity classes, like oh, you see all these uh, orange theories and the soul cycles and all these circuit-based type classes is where they just hammer the shit out of you. Yep. Those are the people that are filling into it and they're like the worst ones well, that could possibly and, the, and it's because it, it literally fits in the paradigm of cortisol resistance or may seem like cortisol resistance because they get temporary relief from doing that. If you're a high uh, driving type A person and you've already got some resistance to catecholamine production and cortisol, you are going to get temporary relief from squeezing out a little bit more cortisol with a high intensity class. This is why you'll hear those people say, but you don't understand. Like if I do a spin class, I just feel so good afterwards. It gives me relief, but it's temporary relief. And it's going, it's like giving more sugar yeah, to the person who's insulin resistant, yeah. you know, keep throwing sugar. I'm same yeah, thing. I, I'd like to, I'll, I'll dive a little deeper on the biochemistry of uh, cortisol resistance. Cause I haven't, to be honest. And, and I know it would have something to do in the brain. And I know it would be something that would be cellular, and there's got to be a way you can influence it. Um, and it may just be like periodizing through your stimulus, because because muscular training would actually improve cortisol resistance, because it could potentially improve the the muscle's ability to uptake cortisol. But uh, it would have to be a very specific stimulus. You couldn't be uh, stimulating again high amounts of cortisol, right? Mm-hmm. So, and I guess the only, and this is where you know maybe therapies like. Um, cryotherapy comes in is the idea of it's going to give you a cortisol response but hopefully it'll allow the cortisol to actually come down after so so that's that's i think seems to be the problem with the paradigm is it's this constant stimulation of cortisol rather than high levels of cortisol right and uh and and, intermittently and also cortisol um rising and dropping at the wrong times like they're not getting the natural spike of cortisol in the morning that you're supposed to get and they're getting a spike in the evening sometimes halfway through their sleep. And so you'll find sure. what's common is people will go to bed and find themselves uh, inexplicably waking waking up, you know, between the hours of like 1 a.m. and 3 a.m. for whatever reason. And it's that cortisol comes up and blood, come yeah. up. Yeah, so a lot of people get blood sugar fluctuations at that time, right? So, you know, ancient Chinese medicine is, is, you know, is kind of, they suggest they've nailed down the timing of something. It's, sometimes it's blood sugar problems that happens three to four hours after people go to sleep. Um, and that's often why people wake up is they get a dip in blood sugar. So this, their cortisol spikes to like to mobilize energy. And then they wake up in the middle of the night and they're wide awake and can't get back to sleep. So that's, again, that could be insulin resistance to start. That could be just poor environment before bed. Mm-hmm. Again, it could be some type of cortisol thing. See, for, for me, when I think of uh, – when I look at uh, resistance to hormones or natural ca- you know, uh, chemical production of our body – the answer seems to be for all of them to reduce your exposure to whatever you're resistant to over a period of time. And then your body starts to upregulate receptors and start to, to become more sensitized. For example, if you have you know, a form of insulin resistance, um, reducing your uh, consumption of carbohydrates and maybe even a ketogenic diet has been shown to increase insulin sensitivity so sure. that then people have a nice more you know, uh, even uh, blood sugar. 
same thing with uh, leptin and you know resistance or even cortisol. So I know the uh, in the wellness world, the advice for people in this uh, who have these symptoms is usually. Um, you know, number one is sleep quality. By the way, sleep quality is different than just going to sleep. I, yeah. I actually talk to people about this all the time when they're like, you know, I, I sleep really good when I go to sleep. And it's like, there's a difference between being so exhausted that you crash and actually having good quality sleep. Um, you know, meditation is another one. Um, you know, uh, turning everything off and going outside and just being exposed to the sunlight. That's another way you can kind of reduce, naturally reduce cortisol and maybe increase your sensitivity. The problem with all of that is it takes time and it's counter uh, how we tend to tackle problems. Like when we have an issue, we tend to say, okay, I'm going to go after that issue. You can't go after this hard. You know what I'm saying? Sure. I can't like meditate hard or sleep hard. (laughs) Step one, man. And Alvin and I here were talking about this on the way up is perception is everything. And, uh, you know, if you can't learn to modulate your perception to stress, like all of us are under stress. It's an inevitability of the society we live in. But if you can't learn to um, at least somewhat control your physiological response to stress by your perception, you know, it's not a chance. And so him and I and and Roland had a conversation on the way up about, um, you know, everyone has the ability to change their response. And that's kind of the only thing. If you want to touch about what we talked on on the way up, Alvin. Yeah. Hey guys, how you doing? <laughs> hey, all, right. <laughs> all right. Yeah. So, you know, my big thing when I worked with Ben, I've been working with Ben since uh, 2007 when he was an amateur. And my big thing when I work with these athletes is helping them to control their mindset. Cause myself, I had that whole thing. I was a, I was a gym fighter, you know, I was great. I was a boxer, martial artist, wrestling in high school, all that kind of thing. And I had dreams of the visions of Olympics and, but I was amazing in the gym and the ring, but get me out in the public and I choked every time. So I realized that the mind game is a huge factor with these guys. And what is it, 90% mind game? Because we can all work out in the gym and meet each other's expectations and meet each other's energy. But when we get out in the ring, it's who has a better mindset. So Ben and I were talking about that is it's all about the mindset and that the perception of the stress. Because stress is good. There's some stress that you need. As you're talking about the guy in the gym with blissing out, they need a little bit of stress. Because right. you can't bliss out all your whole life. right? You need to have some use stress. And so that's the whole thing, Ben and I were talking about. How do you manage that? How do you – there's a great researcher out, uh, McGonagall. Uh, anybody know that? Uh, mm, no, no. She's uh, Kelly McGonagall. Okay. She's got, a, she's got a book out called Upside of Stress, and she talks about the whole stress factor and how you should convert that and how you should look at stress because you need it. I've been reading um, – I don't know if you're from uh, – Eckhart Tolle. Have you read any yes. books by him? So yeah. um, A New Earth. Yeah. I've been going through his book at the behest of my girlfriend. She's been like hammering me like, you got to listen to Eckhart. So finally, I'm like, all right, let's listen to him. And it's really blowing me away. And one of the things that he says is, you know, it's not the problem that's the issue. It's the thought. It's, it's yeah. what you think of the problem. It's the yeah. thoughts behind yeah. it that are the problem. It's your view of it. Absolutely. Huge, man. Yeah. And uh, you know, what, the way you see something is different than the way I see something. And yeah. that's reality, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and how much we spend on, uh, in terms of how much time we spend on work, and exercise and diet and all these other things and how little time we spend on that side of things. Amen. You know, Amen. You know so uh, Ben, what are the, are the things you do now that you do different, that you do that are different than you used to do in terms of, cause you said you used to overtrain and, and push yourself too much and yeah. you weren't as balanced. You seem like a pretty balanced guy when I, when I talk to you, you're pretty chill and relaxed. It's a facade, and, so. Is it fake? <laughs> <laughs> um, so I mean, from, from a physiological perspective, my training has massively changed. And I think part of that is, was the catalyst for it was the fact that I know back in the day that my only 
tool in my in my toolbox was more harder, more hard. That's all I could do. And I was like, that just can't be right. Like, because and, and I knew that wasn't right because it was a point where it's, it's diminishing returns. So, um, my team and I at the gym um, constantly study um, fluctuating your stimulus and, and um, doing as much as we can to quantify um, learning how to manipulate training to allow your body to recover from a stimulus. So we have, we know we have, every time we train, we subject our body to different physiological stimulus. So a strength stimulus will be a primarily neurological stimulus, maybe some mechanical damage. Hypertrophy stimulus is going to be a lot of um, metabolic stress. Um, uh, How do you do that with the individual variants? The I, the individual variants has to be so great with some of that because this person's stressed because they've got something depressing going on in their life. This person over here is not well, sleeping right. You know, like, so, but the, how, the do you, stress, how do you... The, the stress in the gym can still be the same. Like, mm. you, you know, so if I'm training at doing a strength-based, neurological-based stimulus... The rest periods are longer. I'm staying in a very specific rep range. I'm, I'm very right. So that's like a phase one of uh, MAPS anabolic type of thing. So you're you're in the low yeah. rep ranges, right? Trying to build central nervous system adaptation, basically. Yep, exactly. And then just learning that those things do different things biochemically to my body, and eating for those. And and if you push one system, you know the other ones are kind of. So I just kind of look view it like you know the things Doug's doing over there, manipulating everyone's volume and sounds and mm-hmm. levels. He's looking like that, right? So if I'm pushing my hypertrophy stimulus, well, hopefully my other two are kind of back. And then one of my hypertrophy stimulus maybe is, you know, pushed all the way up. And then maybe I can push a metabolic stimulus, more of a fat loss stimulus. Mm-hmm. And then I'm kind of fluctuating them through so that you're only ever really stressing one, maybe two stimulus. I, I got to interrupt you right here because I want you to talk a little bit deeper about what you're talking about right now with um, what, what, in your opinion, what do you think is like an ideal time to pivot from one to the other? Like, so like how many weeks would you stay hypertrophy how many weeks would so you so that's where it becomes subjective you talk about person to person that has to be subjective right mm-hmm. like my my response to hypertrophy stimulus is very different than yours i might be able to you know depending on what i'm taking depending how my nutrition is depending on all these different factors my sleep rate recovery you know some people can stay on hypertrophy stimulus really really long other people they're going to get inflamed almost immediately and you have to look at your biochemical responses your bio your, your physical feedback right and like, not just not just inflamed but also your the, the returns are diminishing right? right and this is what i try and t- tell people all the time like right. when you how important that is to transition out of that because you know maybe the first three weeks of that programming or that way of training you were getting these great results so you get stuck because you fall sure, in love with it. Dude, I, I can go on a hypertrophy program for four months and I'm going to keep growing and growing and growing and growing. Where some people go on a hypertrophy program for you know three weeks and they stop growing and it's going to depend on your ability to contract muscles, right? So the more efficient you are at uh, generating intense contractions would cause a, st- a massive fluctuation. You know, the, your ability to contract is different from mine, is different from Sal, is different from Alvin. Uh, so that that's going to be completely the variable, but it still needs to be within the same realm, within the same rest period, within the same um, rep range, right? Now, you, you, you uh, I don't know if I caught this correctly. You said something about eating according to the sure. type of training. Sure. So, so what do you mean by that? So I'm training for uh, central nervous system adaptation. Um, well, how is my eating different there than if I'm training for hypertrophy for, sure. where I'm training, you know, metabolic, uh, metabolically? Sure. So it, it depends on what you're trying to stimulate, right? So when we're training for hypertrophy, we're trying to stimulate the mTOR pathway. So we need to know and we need to ensure that our muscles energetically are replenished. Otherwise, you can't get a hypertrophy stimulus. So you know, you know that you need a high amount of carbohydrates. If I'm training for a uh, strength stimulus, neurological stimulus, um, I'm not going to be depleting any amount of 
carbohydrate because I'm not ever really taxing the cell energetically. It's more of a, of a tension stress or it's more of a mechanical tension stress. So there's never going to be a depletion of carbohydrates. So I know I'm always going to have enough nutrients to stimulate mTOR. I just need to make sure that I'm getting enough protein to recover, enough uh, fat to recover my nervous system, things like that. Because what, well, what, what stimulus am I stressing or what mm-hmm. system am I stressing, right? So if I'm doing a metabolic style stimulus, which is like, you know, the high intensity, low rest, or sorry, I should say high intensity, high uh, effort, yeah. low rest, fat burning. More your traditional bodybuilding hit, type. Well, HIT style training, right? Oh, if I'm okay. doing like a, like, a, like a circuit, if I'm doing something that's going to be very mm-hmm. depleting to my body, well, I know definitively that's going to be draining to my glycogen levels relatively, right? If I'm doing it right, it should be. And then you have to you have to weigh the answer or weigh the equation of, am I trying to get my body to burn fat? In which case you want to be in an energetically depleted state. Or if I'm trying to get my body to suck up more nutrients, well, that would be a good time perhaps to put some back in, you know? So looking at cellular energetics, is, is that not making sense? Yes, it is. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that, that's how, you know, you just look at, well, what am I stimulating and how do I support that? So strength mm-hmm. stimulus is going to be, I need more protein and more fat. Hypertrophy stimulus is I need more protein and more carbs. Uh, metabolic stimulus is I probably need a lot of carbs, but I'm probably not doing a lot of metabolic damage because there's not a lot of weight. Wow. So I don't need any protein. And mm. not, not only that, but if you try to go heavy uh, when you're training, you know, metabolic uh, stresses, then you're taxing the central nervous system too much, sure. too much and you're not getting the, the benefit of what you're looking for. Yep. Uh, and if you're going too fast with the central nervous system, you know, type adaptation training um, with your rest, you're not getting much of that. You're getting more of exactly. the hypertrophy type stuff. Yep. It's just so. funny because you literally are spelling out uh, the first maps program, <laughs> yeah, no yeah, joke. It's literally sure. broken up into phases that way, yeah. and I'm uh, I, I'm glad I'm hearing someone that I respect so much, like yourself, uh, talk about this because it makes me feel good that we're on the right track mm-hmm. as well. So you guys are definitely on the right track, and then taking it one step further, looking at the cellular energetics is extremely important. This is one of my biggest um, kind of realizations over the last twelve months is a cell. You're basically looking at two um, conflicting signals, right? You're either going to have mTOR, or you're going to have AMPK, and that is often, most often determined by cellular level of um, uh, repletion. So okay. if, if my if my cells are depleted, I'm typically going to get more of an AMPK response. If my cells are replenished, I can get more of an mTOR response. And your, your mTOR will actually be inhibited if your cells are too depleted. So if you're doing a uh, metabolic style stimulus, you're actually depleting glycogen. And, and if you do too much hypertrophy style stimulus, you could be depleting glycogen too much. And then until your uh, glycogen stores are replenished, you don't get that mTOR mm. stimulus, or at least it, maybe it won't last as long. Would you mind going into, just for our listeners, mTOR and AMPK? Because uh, I know mTOR, uh, what is that? Uh, mammalian target rapamycin. Yep. AMPK, not quite sure what that. I don't even know what the fuck uh, but, but can you explain the two of them and what they, yeah, why mTOR, they're different? MTOR, it's basically anabolic, catabolic stimulus, right? Yeah. So okay. your body's either anabolic or catabolic. It's never staying the same. It's either doing one or the other. Um, so and one is and, more fat burning, right? One might, but AMPK, more- yeah. So it's... Uh, yeah, it, it's um, fat burning, energy energy burning, basically mm-hmm. energy mm-hmm. depleting. Uh, mTOR is going to be more anabolic, mm-hmm. more muscle protein mm-hmm. stimulus. Uh, Excellent. Now, when people are, because you do see this sometimes with clients, if they're doing everything right, you see a composition change mm-hmm. where they're doing both, building muscle, burning body fat. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of that has to do with that delicate balance, I would guess, with balancing out mTOR and AMPK. And I think a lot of people, what they do wrong is they try to do both at the same time, and you can't. Right. That's a great point. You can't. And that's why you know people, oh, I'm going to go do cardio after I do weight training. Well, that's okay. But are you realizing that, are you trying to build muscle now, or are you trying to, bur- are you trying to burn fat? Yeah. Like, so if I go do this awesome weight training workout, and then I go do cardio, you just basically turned off your mTOR switch, and you just told your body it's time to break down now. 
So acknowledging that is a very important realization for people to make is, well, when do I do cardio? Well, it depends on your goal. Um, you know, so you have to always weigh AMP, AMPK and mTOR pathways. Um, so it'd be more, it would be more wise to separate the two, uh, sure. even in the same well, day. It, if your goal is, um, fat loss mm-hmm. you know, right. or even yeah, if your goal is muscle. Excellent. I want to go back to like the stress management. We were kind of talking about stress and sure. like just, um, some ways that maybe I know you've been on a kick of like interviewing a lot of biohackers mm-hmm. and just some, some sort of information you've, you've pulled from them and maybe applied in your own common practice. I know for me, I did Wim Hof and that really helped me to, uh, you know, be able to kind of get away from my prefrontal cortex and, and be able to kind of, uh, calm down, uh, and, and be able to get to that place where I could, could actually deal with stress better sure. just through breathing patterns. Dude, it's funny. I was talking about this, I don't know if it was this morning or last night to these guys, it's something that's been maybe my biggest thing to move the needle as far as intra-workout, um, intra-workout lately is breathing patterns. So most mm. people breathe one breath, one rep. I've been doing one breath, three reps. Try that. It's extremely challenging. Um, so, so hold your breath and then- No, you- just really slow and methodical, almost like a yoga breath where I'm, I'm literally trying to make it, like I'm doing a 30 or 40 second inhalation, 30 or 40 second exhalation. While you're doing reps. I do, while I'm I do box where you five, five, five. Yeah, yeah. Like mm-hmm. box. No, but it's, it's challenging, uh, especially as you start getting your heart rate up. But I find I'm really able to control my heart rate, control my breathing rate. And for most people, that's what fatigues them, right? They get the sympathetic response mm-hmm. because their, their brain senses like, oh shit, I'm out of breath. Heart rate goes up. You know, there's an oxygen debt, heart rate goes up, and all of a sudden people start to panic and they stop. So I find this has been a massive way for me to increase the output uh, on a set. So this is kind of my thing lately, right? My, my thing is I'm doing a lot less volume, mm. but I'm trying to take sets a lot further. So I try to take them as far as I physically can, and I'll do, you know, maybe six or eight sets per workout, um, different body parts, whatever it looks like. And But I want to be able to take that set really far, and I never want my – heart rate or my breathing rate to be the limiting factor. I always want it to be muscular. And that's been massive for me. Wow. So literally I'm doing a set of curls, for example, rather than, you know, breathe out on the way up, breathe out, uh, right. suck in on the way down or whatever, like we're taught, you're doing one breath every three reps. Correct. So I'm doing three reps, depending on the, depending on the exercise. Well, fuck you not tell me that this morning. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> trying, trying to angle on me, bro. He's yeah, outlasting yeah, you Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. No wonder. When you, I, I would assume using cheat codes and shit on me when we're trying to lift. Well, actually, I don't even think it's a cheat code because I feel like the first time you do that, it's you're gonna probably, harder. you're going to be way harder. Yeah. yeah. So is that what you found? Yeah, for sure. And it takes, you know, I don't know how much you guys are doing yoga, but I've been really, even throughout the day, I'm trying to practice a little bit of yoga breath, bringing me back to just being a little more centered, a little more grounded. And that's been massive uh, for overcoming stressful situations in general. And then mm-hmm. you apply it to a big stress, which is training. Uh, but it does absolutely take time for you to be able to like, because you got to perform the skill while you're doing the breath. And both of those can be conscious yeah. tasks, which you can't do. So the, for me now, the breathing has become the more unconscious task. Mm-hmm. So I could just focus on you know keeping that really long, methodic breath and just focus on the one conscious task being the training. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah, it's cool. You also had brought up uh, the study that you had conducted. I want to talk about this because uh, I don't know if our audience knows about this. I thought I found it fascinating. I was familiar with um, intra-workout stretching and its effect on uh, muscle hypertrophy. And the studies done on it, and they show that at least in short term, uh, for short-term progress, like 12 weeks, it has a positive effect on hypertrophy. And there were some animal models that had demonstrate this, demonstrated this as well. You were talking about intraset stretching, mm-hmm. and it was a very unique um, way. I'd never heard of it done this way before, and I guess the results – I don't know if you want to go over. Yeah, so for the record, I think intra-workout stretching is stupid. 
Um, regardless, <laughs> well, uh, regardless what the what the studies say, I think it's predisposing an injury because you're accessing a range that you can't control. I think it's a terrible idea. We might have talked about this. Yes. Um, so my protocol that I had studied was loaded stretching, loaded intra-set stretching, which means during the set stretching. Um, I had it studied for six weeks in the in a lab, and we had 15 pounds average weight gain across 30 participants. 15 pounds? In six weeks. Yeah, it was tremendous. It blew away my expectations wow. by far. Like I told you guys, I was like expecting six, seven pounds, and we had an average of 15 pounds. Most of the, I'll show you guys the, the results. Most of the, the participants actually got leaner. Um, it's hard. Like, and, and it's absolutely, it's fucking hard. Like, we, we'll do it tomorrow, whatever we're trying to get. We'll do it tomorrow. I'll show you guys what it does. It's definitely the hardest uh, thing you could possibly do for a hypertrophy stimulus. You're going to be really sore, but your body responds really quickly. Now, is it for everybody? No. You need to have very good control over your execution. You need to be, you know, I, I call it, you have a mastery of your execution. Um, whatever that looks like is subjective, perhaps, but um, you have to be a master and you have to be in control every inch of the rep. And it's the most excruciating thing you've ever done, but it fucking works. And isn't that life, right? I would think you would you would uh, recommend it intermittently, like through training. Oh, yeah, 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 for sure. So we do it in six-week blocks, and I only recommend it two to three times a year for most people. Oh, okay. Mm. So, yeah. So, yeah, it's kind of a progressive thing. So, you know, start off with maybe one set per body part, and then we progress up over six weeks. Now, if I'm going into a workout, and maybe we should do a YouTube video on this demonstrating. Oh, this would be a great YouTube video. Uh, so uh, if I'm doing a workout, and let's say normally I, I'm doing chest, and I'm doing, I don't know, 12 sets for chest, do I do... You know, eleven sets of nor- of chest normal, and then one set of this intraset type thing. Or do mm-hmm. I does this replace more than one set? Like, how no, does that it just work? Just replaces one set. Okay, so, so it, I'll do one set for the body part of doing of this particular technique to start. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I mean, you could do two. It depends how it feels. Depend like so. Uh, there's there's two sides of it, right? A beginner probably isn't going to push himself as hard on something that's new. Okay. So he's probably not going to get as much damage as someone who's more advanced. Uh, but again, anything new, I'm always a little bit iffy with people having mm-hmm. control of it themselves. So I'll walk you through the protocol, man, really simply. So we'll, we'll pick a weight that we do for eight reps, um, and we'll do it with perfect form. And at the end of that set, we'll put you into the most comfortable stretch position you can, um, and then try to increase the stretch a little bit, and then hold that for beginners between 20 and 30 seconds. Usually for beginners, I say 20. And then you immediately drop the weight, grab the next lowest incremental weight, which is usually a 20% drop, uh, and you keep going. You're, and you do your eight reps. Uh, stretch for 30 seconds again repeat eight reps stretch for 20 to 30 seconds and repeat we do that four times and we always finish on a contraction so there's been some research um you know from a, at a cellular level which suggests if you're ending if your stimulus is a stretch you're going to give the relax stimulus to the muscle right to golgi tendon um so we want to finish on a contraction and uh no, I mean, I'll knock on wood. No, nobody's had any injuries or anything like that. It's, it is definitely a very intense stretch, um, but it's very, very useful tool. Now, now, keeping it very simple, simple for our audience. Like, what do you? Why do you think that is? Like, right away, some of the things that come into mind to me, like you're in the middle of a hypertrophy set. You put me in that stretch position with weight. I know I'm going to get a ton of blood that's going to get in there, so I'm going to get the sarcoplasmic hypertrophy benefit. Yeah, so it's it's one step further than that. It's actually it's muscle damage. So it's actually satellite cells. So that was that was the mechanism that we found in this in the lab was it satellite cell proliferation and differentiation, which is uh, amplified. Mm-hmm. That's the, holy, that's the holy grail there. You, you keep getting those going on. You can see muscle fiber Forever. hyperplasia. That's exactly what it is. Yeah, mm. we're talking about hyperplasia. So, um, yeah. And are you followed up with these participants? Have they been able to keep the muscle? or 
Yep. So I've got a few guys who actually say that every time they go back and do it, it gets better. Wow. So they're at least they're adding new muscle fibers. That's the so so the theory behind this for the for people listening to understand uh, muscle fiber hypertrophy is when the fibers grow. Muscle fiber hyperplasia is where you actually create new muscle fibers, and the reason why that's the holy grail of muscle building is because when you atrophy or when your muscles shrink when you're inactive. Um, you don't lose muscle fibers. They'll just atrophy. So if you add a bunch of new muscle fibers through hyperplasia, theoretically, it's permanent muscle fibers that are there. So even if you atrophy... Well, this is why we've theorized that we don't, we don't know if you'll be able to get down as low as you think you'll be able to get down because yeah. you've built so many extra fibers. That's what's so unique about you. You're not right. the average person right. so we talk about losing this, a bunch I of weight. I did a podcast with a guy last week and we talked about this. Just the idea that... I mean, you know the guys like this, Adam. So you go to a contest... And you got guys who go, oh, man, I fucked up the last couple of days. I took a diuretic or I dropped too much water and I lost 30 pounds. You ever heard that? Why? <laughs> they didn't have any fucking muscle to begin with. They were all water the whole time. <laughs> hey, man, got, Dude, all they do is pump. They chase the pump. And they, that's exactly. <laughs> right. they're, they're, it's, it's bullshit hypertrophy. Nobody has any actual hypertrophy like protein accumulation from hard, stressful working out, hard, stressful training. Most mm. guys are they're chasing the pump, like you say. Wow. So uh, that's, you, a, that's a big – Big thing, huge, huge, especially everybody. In mid, mid, everybody that says oh, I fucked up the last week, I'm like, yep. Yeah. I just I'm smiling in my head and being like, you idiot. Like it's because you train. Like <laughs> I already know. I already got you figured yeah, out. But you never had you, it. You rely yeah, on those. Exactly. Ca- you rely on those carbs and water so yep. much. Creatine, insulin, all these other stupid things that they're taking. Yep. It's all it's all hyperemia based training. Wow. Mm. So how is the weight loss journey going for you right now? Hey, no. So, Why the so fuck you, laugh? you don't look <laughs> smaller, dude. I'm just gotta tell you, yeah, well, he doesn't look that yeah. much smaller. Actually, actually, you look bigger, and I don't know I'm if it's a because tight shirt. That's what it is. Yeah, that's what yeah. that's what it might be. How is that? How is that going for you? You've been trying to lose muscle, which yeah. is just uh, well. So, man, it, it's a balance, right? So I'm trying to lose muscle, but I don't want it to be. Yeah, I'm not just trying to be um, the smallest guy in the sure. world, right? I still like looking fit and muscular. I still love training. And I, t- I think I told Adam, like, the best thing about what's happening is I fucking love training again. I find myself doing two-and-a-half-hour workouts because I love it, and I haven't loved it in years. And that's kind of been making it more difficult to lose muscle. So how's it going to lose muscle? I'm eating a lot less. I'm eating a lot, lot less. Um, what's your pace pace of loss, like weight loss? Are you are so tracking lost, it? Since the beginning, I've lost um, 30 pounds, and that's since, like, March. So what's it, three, four months, four months? Mm-hmm. Um, so it's pretty good. I've lost three inches off my legs, which is a big thing for so me. So they're only they're only forty five inches now. <laughs> well, the biggest the biggest they were, I think they were thirty four inches. And Fuck, and now, dude, that's yeah. my waist, dude. Yeah. Awesome. That's bigger than my waist. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Put so a belt on those. They're things. down under yeah. thirty now, which is nice. Um, so I can actually start buying quasi normal pants. <laughs> I was telling these guys on the way up, I've got a gold fitness says thirty four pants, which these are thirty six. That's not so bad. Um, but yeah, that's kind of the goal. Cause my legs is the big thing. I hold a lot of weight in my legs. Mm-hmm. There. I, I mm-hmm. was kind of known for having somewhat decent leg development. Um, and the upper body's coming down nice too. Like I, I get, it's, I, I want to train it cause I don't want to get soft and, and flabby. It's don't want to look good, man. So it's sure. just balance and it's gotta be uh, a moving target. You know, it's gotta be like, Hey, one day, you know, maybe one or two weeks, I'm going to go down pretty aggressively, decrease my training volume and then I'll pull it back up for two weeks. So it's now, are there any, because what pops in my mind, you know, when people are trying to lose a lot of fat, I is one thing, ask you. but when people are trying to lose a lot of muscle, um, I'm wondering, are there any complications that may arise from something like that? Like Psychologically elevate, or physically? Well, no, physically, oh. like, uh, you know, raising levels of, you know, creatine kinase or kidney stress or anything like that. Is there anything that, because this is very different. I, don't, mm. I mean, you know, you, you've got so much muscle that you're trying to lose. Is there anything that you're monitoring or that you should be careful for when it comes to losing muscle? 
Not that I know, man. I think anybody going in, in the right direction, meaning down in weight, it's only mm. going to show positive health benefits, sure. right? So I haven't seen – actually, my creatine kinase for, for a guy who trains is actually in healthy range, which is uh, not the same as it was when I was you know, taking anabolics or when I was really training maximally. Um, everything is – I think I posted my blood results. The only thing that was in the tank was my testosterone. <laughs> Shit. If, you guys, if you guys How, want to have a laugh. I would love to hear. Oh, yeah, that was so, all right. So – I hadn't got like I'd been off TRT for six months and, and with the intent of losing muscle and I didn't do so well obviously on the last day. But uh so my testosterone when I was a bodybuilder was often I tried to keep it in the range of twelve to fifteen hundred. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to go too high because that has negative effects as well. And I my most recent test, I think I still have my man card. It's twenty eight. <laughs> Oh shit! Yeah. It's funny though. So people go, "Holy shit!" Like I might have an that's idiot. A, that's postmenopausal. Yeah, woman. I might have an idiot. <laughs> 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 right. No, but in reality, my sex drive wasn't terrible. It wasn't like I went on my fifty. Oh, you actually had a sex drive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's definitely. Oh, wow. You know what? That speaks to the work you've put in with all the other balance in your life and stress for sure. Because mm-hmm. I'll tell you, I just told someone this the other day. It blows my mind. So I'm somebody who openly d- discusses that I take testosterone myself. And I'm I, for me, I pay most attention to my sex drive. Yep. And I've realized that uh, I can double my dose of testosterone. And if my stress at work and everything else going on, I, that affects my sex drive more what than synthetic think? testosterone being shot at me. I completely agree, man. Right? Yep. So if I, went, I told you I went on my first vacation in, uh, about three weeks ago. And my sex drive was fucking phenomenal because of the stress. It was great. I wasn't even taking any 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 testosterone. I was just it was I was a beast. It was great, man. You know, and then you get back here and you're like, oh, what pussy? What's that? <laughs> well, it took my girl about six years to put that together. But I used to tell her all the time, like, get me the fuck out of here. So yeah. she knows, like, if she's if I'm bad, where I haven't been giving her a lot of attention, she'll be like, hey, next weekend, guess where we're going? Yeah. <laughs> and it's like uh, already planned trip. I had no idea. I've already handled work stuff. You're not going here. You're not going here. We're heading down here. It's Dude, like, every time my wife and I go to Vegas or we go on trips. So we always going to come back with a baby or something. You know? <laughs> oh, man. It's funny how that works. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It took me a while, though, to put that together because yeah. I really thought uh, I really thought if I were to increase my testosterone, that, especially synthetically, and as much as it boosted, I thought for sure that would make way more of a difference. And it, it was surprising. It really surprised me. So I always tell people The two that, things that will affect your sex drive more than anything is stress and sleep. Sleep, yeah, for sure. Those two things are that make such a dramatic impact. Sleep is one that people um, don't even pay attention to, mainly because, and I've been learning more about this, uh, it's because it's become a subject that I'm a, a bit passionate about. So let's talk about that, Sal. Absolutely. I, I want to go deep on sleep because I think I want to hear how you're hacking it and how you're improving it. Right? Uh, so so, so here's what's, what fascinated me about sleep uh, that was kind of an eye-opener for me. So for a long time, especially throughout my 20s, I you know, thought I was exceptional in the sense that I didn't need much sleep. Like I would go to bed and four hours later I'd be up and I'd be running health clubs for 14 hours a day. I had staffs of 50 people and I'd run these meetings and you know, and it was, you know, six like days. badge of honor, right? I, it was yeah. like no yeah. problem. It, it was like I was just fucking running on fire. It was right. not an issue. And I thought, I'm great. Uh, the reality and is. You stop working. And you, <laughs> you get a tw- testosterone at 28. Well, what, <laughs> well, I, I crashed. Yeah. Definitely got crashed where I'd get really, really sick. But what was fascinating to me was uh, the, the discovery that humans function exceptionally well with uh, low, lack of sleep. And what I mean by that is. You can have chronic low sleep and mm-hmm. do your day. You can go to work. Cortisol's up. You could, yeah, exactly. You could have a little coffee. You could, you know, see your kids, you know, oh, I need to wind down, have a little bit of wine, you know, smoke a little weed, whatever you do, and go to sleep. 
But that doesn't mean that you don't have uh, that you're not going to benefit tremendously from working with your sleep. And at, the first thing that I did was I thought that I needed more sleep. So what I need to do is I got to go to bed earlier and sleep more. Part of that is true. I wasn't sure. getting enough sleep. That's definitely true to an extent. However, it's not just about uh, quantity. It's also about quality. Of course. The next level that really did it for me was uh, making sure my room was pitch black, setting the room temperature to be cool enough to where I could sleep, uh, you know, where I could, where I had to have a little bit of a bed, you know, sheet on top of me. So it wasn't heat in there in the room. It wasn't too hot. That made a big difference. And the third thing, this is what I've done more recently. That's been a dramatic uh, change for me is about one and a half hours before I want to go to bed. So if, if I know I want to go to sleep at, let's say 10 o'clock, about eight 30, uh, I shut off all the lights and we go by candlelight in my mm-hmm. house. And uh, I cannot believe the difference it makes in the quality of my sleep. I find myself um, sleeping more soundly, waking up, uh, you know, not groggy and just wide awake. Right. Um, my kids, uh, you know, I have my kids uh, half time. And when I have them at my house, uh, we do the same thing. We turn the lights off and they're ready to go to bed like 30 minutes after I turn the yeah, lights off. So true. I don't even have to push them to go to bed and my it kids, makes a huge difference. My you, kids know all, all year round they go to bed with the sun. So as soon as the sun goes down, it's their bedtime. And I, I've, I'm trying to instill that in them now and they're up early and they're to bed early and their sleep is great. I mean, you know, they're four and five. Wow. Are, what are you, now, are you, what are you doing I, you for gotta, your own sleep? You got to think, you, you missed on, on Brain FM for sure because that's a tool that oh, we right. all use that I love. So Brain FM, which I think I talked Bi- to you a little. Binaural Beats? Yeah. Well, well it's kind of di- like It's uh, different. It's okay. different actually. It's kind of next level to yeah. it. But it's similar to that. Most people uh, are familiar with Binary Beats which is kind of like that. But that and not looking at my phone anymore. So like yeah. I, I had a really bad habit of you know, all the way till bedtime, staring at that screen, you know, working till 10, 11 o'clock at night, then trying to fall asleep. And just the first two hours, I wouldn't sleep at all. So doing that. And then actually when I lay in bed and I finally settle down, I'll do the, that's when I box breathe. I box breathe right before bed. And I do that for maybe a minute. That's it. Just one minute. Yeah. And I just, boom, lights out after that. So I'm similar to you, Sal, where I'm characteristically not a very good sleeper and not a long sleeper. I don't need a lot. I kind of use that as a badge of honor. I'm like, fuck, I'm good, man. I'm ready to go. Let's just get up and go. You know, ask him. He didn't sleep for 48 hours. He slept for three hours last night. We're ready to go. Let's go. (laughs) We're going to go hit the gym for three hours. Uh, And it's kind of, it's kind of a man thing. You know, it's the man code. It's like, shut the fuck up. I don't hear you complain. Just, just do it. And I, I pride myself on being that guy. But um, when I'm at home, man, I'm similar to you. I hack my sleep massively. So for all of us, there's definitely no TV. We don't even watch TV during the week, but there's definitely no TV. Um, we turn all the lights off. There's no cell phones after seven. Um, and we just, you know, we get into like reading, get into relaxing activities with the families. It's also my bonding time. So I try to get up really early. I get up at 430. And uh, so I work from six to two usually. And then from, you know, four till till eight or whenever the kids go to bed, it's um, it's kind of family bonding. time. It, it only makes sense because obviously as humans, we evolved uh, and co-evolved with our environment. What that means is in some cases we evolved uh, for our environment. In other cases, our environment evolved around humans. Uh, a, a good example of that is how dogs evolved to, you know, become closer to humans because we help their survival and vice versa. Well, it only makes sense that we evolved to match or to work with the rhythm of the sun. And when you move outside of that, a lot of problems happen in the body. And what we need to understand is many times when we see uh, a symptom, uh, whether it be, you know, anxiety or, you know, a gut issue or, you know, skin issues or anything that becomes kind of this chronic health issue, it's really the result of the body's systems um, being out of balance. And I hate to say the body's systems because it's really one. It's one system. 
but we tend to divide the body up into systems and divide it into certain things like activity, diet, sleep, you know, mental. But if one of those things is off, um, then it throws everything else out of balance. Mm-hmm. And sleep, by far, and I, n- I never would have put it up there with training and nutrition as being important. But it is one of the most important things. It's, it's right there. It's even more important. Man. Absolutely. Like it's, it's a third of your life. And so many people just neglect it. And we're having the conversation again today about everyone's so focused on stimulate, stimulate, stimulate. Mm-hmm. And nobody's paying attention to what happens after. So you wake up in the morning, you have a coffee. Before you're meeting, you have a coffee. Before you train, you have a pre-workout. What the fuck are you doing after you train? Like you're, you're always nervous, stimulate, your nervous system stimulated, your adrenals are stimulated. What are you doing to calm down? And, you know, this is a big focus of mine, um, trying to create the conversation around well, what happens at 6 p.m. You know, you start changing your environment, manipulating your lifestyle, um, even choosing your foods appropriately, uh, supplements, and then obviously mastering your environment as far as sleep. You spoke about um, completely blacked out, cold. So there's some research that suggests it doesn't have to be your body sounds. It just has to be your head, evidently. Mm. The, the research suggests they want your, you want your head to be cool. Um, so you can still wear coverage. You just want the room to be cold. Mm. Um, you know, a few other things, your mattress. Are you paying attention to your mattress? You know, so many guys are using a, a sprung mattress. If you have springs in your mattress, you're getting an EMF signal. If you're, What's plugged in your room? Is there a TV? Is there even a lamp? That, that's going to give you an electric magnetic frequency. Um, you got to get rid of that shit, man. So all that, like my room looks like we've got literally a bed, a couple of dressers, and that's it. There's no lamps. There's no anything. So once we're sleeping, we're sleeping, you know. Blackout blinds, all that jazz. Um, Do you turn your Wi-Fi off at night? Of course, Wi-Fi is mm. off. We have, we've even gone to, to some measures to try to block the neighbor's Wi-Fi, putting some stuff on the windows. So we talked we talked about getking. They have like a canopy that can block all EMFs. Mm-hmm. So we talked yeah. about getting that. I was actually going to buy one. Yeah, I want for my doctor. Doctor McCola talked about that. Yeah. We dropped that on that that last yeah. episode. And for me, I mean, I'm more worried about my kids. You know, like yeah. I, they're they're developing nervous system, developing brains. Like I try to do everything for those kids. I buy them the best quality mattresses. Like. People don't realize how shitty mattresses are, like <laughs> especially you know. I don't want to throw names out there, but the, the you know the Tempur-Pedic kind of stuff where you're getting like foam mattresses. It's all petroleum based. You're, you're breathing toxic gases. Um, anything that's got a spring in it, you've got an electrical magnetic frequency, which is going to prevent your nervous system and your brain from recovering. Even the ones that are uh, not petroleum based mattresses all have massive n- amounts of adhesives, so things to hold, to, like binders to hold the mattress together that are tox- giving off toxic gases or they're hot and like mm. shit mattresses. You got to spend money on a decent mattress. So I went out and bought the best mattress that, that money can buy. And I've even gone so far now that part of, I don't know if I told you guys, but part of the equation is I'm developing my own mattress company. So I'm partnering oh, with wow. a guy. Oh, you oh, didn't wow. tell that. Yeah, dude. I'm, I'm partnering with a guy who's been in uh, like a, a uh, executive in the mattress for 25 years. So we're partnering and we're just literally dissecting every company out there and finding the best, what who has the best and finding the limitations with it and then upgrading it. And then we've gone even further to add some additional technologies, some additional fabrics and, you know, add some earthing in there and some other like other things. Oh, so you can like have a grounding? Yeah. Well, option, Uh option, you know, so there's a bunch of things that we're just going to, we've actually, we're actually creating our own um, adhesives. So he's done some research and we're creating the the least toxic adhesives that exist. So even we have organic memory foam, which is not, uh, you know, non or non-toxic at all, hundred percent organic. Um, and then, you know, the, people usually use binders that are shitty and giving off gases. So we found a way to do it without that. Um, yeah, know, people don't realize that you buy a new mattress, especially, so I had a Tempur-Pedic, right? Yeah. And, um, I remember as soon as we got it, they tell you like, oh, it's going to give off an odor mm-hmm. and, and it'll You're go away. Yeah. It'll it'll go away within a you know, certain amount of time. Right. And I remember smelling I'm like, this can't be good. Like, <laughs> I'm sleeping on this <laughs> fucking thing. 
it can't be good. And I swear to God, it gave me a headache. Yeah. It smells like chemicals. And they're like, oh, just air out the room. And then eventually it kind of goes away. And I'm like, well, I don't, I don't know how good that is. I'm on this thing for eight hours. It's like the new car smell. I don't buy new cars intentionally. I'm like, fuck that. I don't want to breathe that shit. Leave that shit in a lot for three months with the windows open. Air it out. Yeah. yeah and then I'll, I'm like, damn, that sucks. I love new car smell. And I love new shoe smell. Shit, you, know, right? you're, you know what that oh, smell is that you love so much, dude? Fuck. That's a, that's a uh, xenoestrogens, my friend. Yeah, exactly. You're breathing in a bunch of estrogens into your body. Yeah. That's great. So, Damn toxic stuff. Here's yeah. another one uh, that actually they just, uh, I think they just published a study on, so we've all heard of jet lag, right? Where you fly from another country and now your body has to adjust to the new, you know. Oh, uh, Taylor knows that feeling, won't you, buddy? Yeah, I just got back yeah. from Europe. It's like three days later, he still looks like shit. Yeah. He's, a zombie. <laughs> He's handsome. T-Dog looks good. Uh, they're talking about what's called social lag, where, um, and I, th- I think I'm using the term correctly, I think it's called social lag, where People will go to bed at a certain time during the week, but Friday night, Saturday night, they go to bed late and then they sleep in the following day. So it's like going to bed late Friday night, Saturday night, sleeping in Saturday morning and Sunday morning. And they're finding, even though you think you're still getting the same amount of sleep, they're tying all kinds of health problems to this. In fact, in this study, and I hope I'm quoting it correctly, but there was something like a 12% increase in heart disease for people who do this on a regular basis. And this isn't the only study, by the way. All the studies done on sleep are tying uh, poor sleep or poor quality of sleep to, and not just like like insomnia and extreme examples, but like we're talking about, where, you know, where I, I I sleep six hours a night or I don't sleep very soundly. They all studies tie them to all kinds of chronic health issues. Yep. It's extremely extremely important. Well, it's where your body starts to eliminate inflammation. That's the big conversation, right? Is your body starts regenerating your um, your nervous system and starts getting rid of inflammation. Those are two, you know, so have you guys used the aura ring at all? No. So that's pretty good, pretty good resource for people. That's going to tell you when you're in deep sleep or when you're in REM. So deep sleep has been known to regenerate your body. So you're going to be eliminating inflammation. It's starting to clear it out. And REM sleep is going to regenerate your brain, your nervous system. So um, it's it's important to have both of those, right? And and so if you're not getting enough sleep, you're not going to get enough deep sleep or REM. So your body's just not going to have a chance to even come back up to baseline. Which means the next day you're probably going to need just a little more stimulant, just a little more coffee to get through the day. And again, you're just perpetuating this negative loop, right? Rather than just saying, hey, man, I'm going to make sure that I get enough sleep tonight and I'm not going to need coffee tomorrow to wake up. Um, you know, people are just keep pushing and pushing and pushing. And all of a sudden, oh, shit, I'm fat. Oh, shit, my dick doesn't work. Oh, shit. You know, like, <laughs> it's all reality, I, man. Have you, have you guys, either one of you, looked into the research on the float tank and what it says actually as far – I think they compare one hour of the float to four hours of REM. Yeah. Have you seen, have, I seen so uh, making comparisons. Have you, have you floated before? You haven't floated yet? No, but I, I know it would be beneficial, but I meditate yeah. every morning. So I get up at 4.30. The birds aren't even awake yet. Really, there's no fucking birds chirping. So I get an hour of like complete darkness by myself, meditating naked in the middle of my living room. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody, you motherfuckers, got a visual. <laughs> well, hello. Uh, I don't. Oh, be- I don't. I don't believe. On. I don't believe Calm you, Ben. You're, you're, gonna you're gonna have to send us. I'm gonna need to see a picture of that. Yeah. Um, no. Um, the, as far as the float take is concerned, and now when they compare one hour equal to four, I don't right, know where right. the hell they come up with those numbers. Sure, yeah. Sounds like marketing. However, I've done the float tank and. It's very obvious to me as to why it's rejuvenating. It is sensory deprivation. Yeah. We are overloaded with constant amounts of sensory all the time. Could in you fact, sleep in there? I'm sorry. Could you sleep in there? Oh yeah. Uh, I did. I did sleep in but, there. I mean, could you like make it your bed? Um, mm. That to me that sounds be like dangerous. Hey, that, what? Yeah. Hmm. I think I don't know if it's a good idea to sit in Pretty water sure that if long. If you stop breathing, you're going to wake up. 
<laughs> you won't sink. Right. True. You yeah, definitely you won't sink. It's only like twelve inches. That's, that's a good. That's a good yeah, question. I, yeah. I would. I don't think you can stay the, in water that long. I, I think it starts to damage your skin. Uh, yeah, I was just gonna say that I would think I would think you this, wake up like a prune. Yeah, with yeah. the salt and the Super skin, prune. the water. Yeah, that's it. And really that's high true. blood pressure. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> but uh, but it makes sense because it's total sensory deprivation. So your body just kind of you know rests and recovers and rejuvenates. And modern life is this uh, bombardment of yeah. sensation. In fact, it's so bad that we've become so addicted to it that uh, people don't know how to be bored. And what I mean by that is so true. anywhere you go where you see people waiting, and it wasn't that long ago. Look, I'm not that old. And I remember when I was a kid, a teenager, and you're sitting somewhere. Um, you were lucky if you had a magazine, but usually there wasn't. Sometimes it was nothing there. So you're just kind of sitting there quietly, yeah. um, thinking you with yourself out. or talking with someone or whatever. And the side effects of being overstimulated really match all of the kind of the psychological epidemics that because right along by the way the obesity and diabetes and diabetes epidemic there's a silent epidemic no one's talking about which is this epidemic of anxiety it's actually i believe anxiety now is the number one if i'm not mistaken is the top um uh, diagnosis now for people going uh to, to so, I'm, I'm glad you brought all this up man so floating awesome that's one of 24 hours so it's, I think it's how you learn to manage stress. Those other 23 hours, it's going to be way more beneficial well, than taking that one hour, right? Like, you know, it's everyone's like, oh, I'm going to meditate. There's for always order of operation. Sure, sure, I'm going to meditate for 15 minutes. Well, great. What about the other 23 hours and 45 minutes, you know? Learning to, to manage stress, learning coping mechanisms, learning to just change your perception of stuff. Like things aren't that bad, man. And one of the best things people can do, if you don't already do this, starting your day and finishing your day with gratitude is massive. Like I do three minutes of gratitude every morning, even usually before I open my eyes, mm. you know, appreciating first the person beside you and, and maybe even the bed you're sleeping in, the house over your, over your head. Mm. You know, all these things are so simple. Like we take for granted so many things, um, but – if you just spend three minutes a long time to be grateful for stuff, or it sounds like a long time, but you could, it really makes you start thinking, like, what mm -hmm. am I actually grateful for, yeah, it man? Sets like, your, it sets you up for for the entire day. I know you, Ben you Greenfield, be yeah, and uh, like Tim Ferriss, and like a lot of them have been preaching that quite a bit. Mm -hmm. And uh, I started to kind of implement that myself and, and do that as a practice, like you're actually writing it down. Right. And, uh, man, it really does help to kind of get you in that that place, in that zone, like the rest of your Anytime day. Anytime you're having – like people would, you know, complain about having to do cardio. People complain about having to wait somewhere. I find whenever I get in a situation where I'm like, ah, I don't want to be here, I, I'm, I, I find things to be great before. It's like, my, it's like my cue. It's like my snapback to reality. Like when you're feeling shitty or we are pissed off or overwhelmed – that's my snapback is, you know, I'm going to be grateful for three minutes. I'm going to stop right here. I'm going to take three minutes to be grateful because you can't be pissed off mm -hmm. and be grateful at the same time. It's impossible. No, so. they've done, yeah. uh, they've done studies on this. It's actually, uh, documented that there's a certain level of material things that you need, um, like your essentials, your home, clothing, food. Um, but beyond that, uh, there is no, uh, there, there's no measure of increased, uh, happiness. In other words, They've actually come up with a number, by the way. In the U.S., I believe they said after about earning about $75,000 a year, which is a decent amount, but it's not tons of money uh, in most places. After that, it's all it, – you make as much money as you want. You can have as much shit as you want. Your happiness isn't going to change. It all comes from within. Once you've met those basic needs, everything else is up to us. And, it, and, it, and again, let's look at modern society. Like We have more than we've ever had before. Yeah. Uh, we, uh, you know, we have solved a lot of our big, big, major killers and problems. I mean, we can walk the streets now and not worry about, 
you know, having to fight someone for food or get killed um, for, for the most part. And um, yet you've got, again, people uh, in record numbers on prescription, you know, SSRI drugs or, you know, uh, benzos, you know, for, for anxiety. Um, and you got to ask yourself why. What we're suffering for from, a lot of what we're suffering from is, the, is diseases of the mind. It's our thoughts. Um, and uh, the wrong thoughts. So and, let's flip that, man. Let's talk about chasing performance because that's what I want to learn about. Yeah. Like, what are you doing to chase your highest level of existence? Because that's what I'm doing, man. I'm 36. Mm. I reach this fucking awesome stride in my life. We're going to keep being awesome for the next 40 years. <laughs> Seriously. And how are we going to maintain that? That's the conversation mm-hmm. that I want to have rather than being like, oh, people are a bunch of morons and they're, they're you know addicted oh, yeah. to anti Well, there's, there's levels to this. And we actually, we get into shit like this all the time. I love talking about this stuff. And, you know, somebody asked us a question one time about like becoming mindful and becoming more present. Like, well, how do you break that down and how do you do that? We had, we had a great conversation about it this morning, which we can. Uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, so and, and there's and listening to you talk, you know, people ha- have to know that it's you've put a lot of practice to get to where you're sure. at right yeah. now. This isn't something you go, oh, here's the here's what you do. And now you're going to be here. And I remember I shared my journey of kind of piecing this together and I used to like my practice you say the thankful before and at night I used to just at the end of the night I would kind of like go through my day right and I would just think of all the things that I did and why I did those and all the state changes so that's what I used to say is like anything that made me happy anything that made me sad angry so anytime I remember journaling or you just just doing a download no it was just a download you know just download and just kind of go over it and I would just start to become aware. And that was the first step of, of picking up on those patterns. Then you get to kind of the level where you just mentioned right now, where you now have that cue that goes off when all of a sudden you're standing in line, frustrated with that, you go, oh, boom, now. But you had to train that. That doesn't just happen overnight. Sure, I think the best thing you can do, and which is honestly the reason why we're here, is to collaborate with people who are on the same alignment as you, energetically, mm-hmm. psychologically. You guys have a huge advantage being able to talk to each other on a day-to-day basis about shit that maybe you couldn't talk to other people about. And that's why Alvin and and Roland and I are here this weekend because we could literally talk about the most obscure shit that most people think is like – they'll think we're crazy or think we're out in in cloud nine. But we all look at each other and go, fuck, I'm thinking the exact same thing. like, man, we're on the same wavelength right now. So, you know, this morning – and this is going to sound woo-woo, but we're talking about the reality that we're energetic beings – having a physical existence and you're like, so we're, we're just energy, right? So we're talking about that. Most people hear that and they go, well, wow, that's weird. But if you, if you can remove yourself from your physical body and realize that you're energy, that gives you the ability to change it in any situation. So if your energy is low, I can bring it up. If my energy is, if someone around me is low, I can try to bring them up rather than letting them bring me down. It's, it's an interesting conversation and existence to have. And, you know, he can, he can dive, uh, dive deep into it. Cause that's kind of his, his area. But um, it's, a, I don't know if you guys ever had that thought where, just this energy existence you're just vibrating man and if you can realize that's what you are you're not the meat suit you're the thing inside of it and if you know i have actually told some of my students to do this at least the ones who will hear it close your eyes and remove yourself from your body for a second and and it's meditative it's you know breathing and trying to remove yourself from the physical being and then realize you're just this energy existence and try to take yourself out of the body and see what it feels like and then realize that now i can i can alter that so if anything around me brings me down if my energy's ever down if my mood is ever down all it is is changing your vibration you know and, and changing your energetic existence if you want to talk about that man yeah i know it's it bends right on the money about that it's funny you know we we all use the word energy in some way man i got no energy today or you walk in the room did you see that guy's energy but the funny thing is when we bring it up we're all kind of woo stay away from it but we're all using it like advertently saying it 
So, you know, I back in the day when I started dabbling with this whole energy thing, I, I was just like everybody else. I didn't believe, I didn't want to believe any of that. But for 22 years, I've been working on people, and I realized it is there, man. It is there. If you want to admit it or not, it's there. We all use it. And when you think about foods, why we eat the foods we do, it's to get the energy from the sun, which goes into the plant. And we, we either eat the plant or secondarily eat the animal that ate the plant. And we get that energy, and it's recycled into the earth and back again. So at the end of the day, look at every cell. Take one cell. We're, there's trillions of cells in our body. One cell is has enough energy in it to light light a, uh, an electronic equipment, one cell, and we have trillions. So you put that all together, and you're going to have, just put them all together, you're going to have we are energy. And take a, take a night vision glasses. Why do they see you? There's an aura around you, and they see it at night. It's, it's everywhere. It's everywhere. Yeah, it's, um, Eckhart talks about it as being, you know, we are not the, the body, and we are not even the thoughts. Yeah. We're the observer. Yeah. Yeah. And people will say, well, what do you mean, what's the what's the voice in my head and he goes well that that's the voice in your head the one that's asking that and that's not even who you are and what uh what he goes on to talk about and he and he has a book called the power of now and then another one called the new earth and Mm -hmm. really it's about um you know being in the present because the the future and the past are really constructs of your mind there is no future and past once you're in the future you're in the present it's always in the present and so when you sit there and think and try and think and think rather than just observe, that's a lot of times where we encounter problems. And so we talked mm-hmm. about meditation earlier and being in awareness and actually having dedicated space to do that. But you can actually do that at any moment. You know, you could do that when you get in your car, take a couple present breaths and you may find yourself being in the moment at, you know, for three seconds and then you drive off. Right. And this is something, this is why people love some of the things that they do and they don't know why. There are certain activities that we do that force us to be in the present. You know, my, my dad, for example, he loves riding his motorcycle, loves riding his motorcycle. Now, we've had several family members. We're, we're all, my family's from Italy and everybody over there rides motorcycles. We have friends and family members that died on motorcycles. And my mom was like, I don't want you to ride a bike and you're going to die, whatever. And he's like, I love it. You don't understand. He goes, when I'm on it, I'm at peace. And so I tell him, I said, I said, dad, I said, what are you thinking about when you're on the motorcycle? He goes, nothing. I can't think because the second I think I'm going to crash, I need to be totally present. And so without realizing it, he's actually placing himself in a meditative state. Yep. This also has happened. This happens with athletes. Mm-hmm. And, and when bodybuilders talk about Extreme working out, athletes. right, or you know, when they lift weights and they go in the gym and they're like, man, that's my church. You ever hear bodybuilders talk about like, that's my church and this is my altar. It's a squat rack. It should be meditative. It's, that's why it's so meditative because they're there and they're nowhere else. Yep. And so finding those spaces, finding the spaces to be able to do that really makes a huge difference. You talk about performance. Um, it's a, that's, that's a great way to tap into improved performance. In fact, if you find people in professions that are exceptional at what they do, whether it's an artist, a musician, uh, you know, computer engineer, whatever, people who are just exceptional at what they do, really the secret behind their performance is the fact that they've, they were able to tap into that, that when they're doing their work, they are there, and they're absolutely they're nowhere else. They're right. present well, at that moment. And then well, in Rise of Superman, they actually break down. They get into the studies that they've done on this, where and they it shows in like extreme sports where you're forced to right back flipping off of a sixty foot ramp or whatever yeah. like that, where you're gonna die if you don't land this. Mm-hmm. That we've seen more progression in extreme sports than any other field or anything else, and that's what they attribute that in this book to the ability to tap into this flow state because they become hyper focused. And if we were able to do that, it would be amazing how that would translate in other parts of our life. You- I was going to say, you said something really interesting earlier that you, you got to go back on. 
the time, the concept of time. Mm-hmm. We created that. We created time. It's this whole concept of 2017, 2017. We created that. The subconscious mind is timeless. It doesn't understand. That's why I can take you back to you're two years old and I can have you fire off the same nervous system, the same hormone reaction. I can take you right back and you think you're a two again because you're living it again because it's timeless. We created time. So mm-hmm. here you have a 60-year-old man wondering why he's acting like a two-year-old. Well, because it's timeless. Mm-hmm. I can bring you back there. And the second thing that you touched on is hugely powerful that you can't glaze over is the, the power of the present moment. So check it out. When you wander forward, you're into anxiety and fear. Because you don't know, fear comes from being forward driven. And anxiety comes because you don't know what's going to happen. So it brings up anxiety and fear. When you suffer from shame, guilt, or resentment, you're going backwards. So our biggest problem in society is that we time travel. Every time we have a, a quiet moment, we're traveling either back or forth. And if you can harness right now, you can change your past if you can harness right now. Harness it and because you can change your past by doing something different in this moment. Mm. And you can also affect the future by doing something different in this moment. So you can see what you said is hugely powerful. If we can harness now, I mean, and, and change what we're doing, it changes everything. Well, to yeah. me, that uh, what you're saying, it, it's right in line with the, the rise of Superman. That's what blew my mind. That was being a kid who grew up in the 80s. Like I watched the movie Rad. I was in the BMX racing. I don't know if you guys watched that stuff, but yeah. I was all into that. Mm-hmm. And I remember putting this together as a kid, like watching one year a guy's doing a backflip and then next year someone did two backflips like we hadn't seen a backflip in 30 years all of a sudden a guy does one then all of a sudden we progress to two and then you see all the stuff so roger bannister right so to see the the progression happen that fast but i I, being able to tap into that you know if we could actually tap into how powerful that really is did you know that the progression was always there Mm-hmm. But they're just, just, never, they're just tapping into it, right? right? Yeah. It right? was always there, right? The zero point field, everything exists in that zero point field. This microphone was always there, but we need to wait for it. Someone had to tap into it. Everything's yeah. there. So I had an I, interesting experience uh, years ago that was for me was a uh, felt like a glimpse into feeling enlightened for a second. Where I had uh, gone off on a weekend um, with some friends, and I was young. I was a kid, right? And we went hard all weekend. I mean, alcohol and no sleep and just, it was two days of just no sleep and partying. And when I came back, I felt like absolute garbage. And uh, I actually felt uh, the physical, what it physically would feel like to be clinically depressed, which some people would experience after such a heavy exertion and damage to their body. So it's the next day, I feel like absolute garbage I'm, I'm trying to work, but I can't. And I'm just like, God, I feel horrible. I feel, and I, I remember thinking to myself, like, this must be what it feels like to be clinically depressed. Mm-hmm. And I remember I went to get some coffee because I needed something. I was like, I need something to kind of pull me out of this. And I made the realization that the difference between today and last week, there is none. Like, nothing has changed. Nothing bad has happened in my life. Mm-hmm. The only difference is I feel physically like shit. And the reason why this was a big realization for me was I realized that I didn't have to feel like shit. Physically, I could feel like shit and I understood that, mm-hmm. but I didn't have to be depressed. Mm-hmm. Like there was a difference there. It wasn't, uh, I, 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 there was no reason for me to feel this way. It was just, I felt, Choice. I acknowledged yeah, that my body, that. exactly. I, I acknowledged that my body felt terrible, but it wasn't depressing anymore. And I, I remember I, I 
left that Starbucks. I didn't even drink my coffee and I was smiling and I'm like, mm. I feel okay. Sure, my body's tired. Sure, I have a headache, yeah. but I don't have that uh, same choice. that same experience. Yeah. Um, and it was mind it was shattering, earth shattering for me. Man, you're dropping some serious bombs. I don't even know if you realize it, but that is so true. It's about choice. You can choose to be depressed or mm-hmm. you can choose to be I don't know, it's gonna be a little bit of a question there, you know, with chemistry and everything else. But let's take the the ones who aren't chemically uh, mm-hmm. imbalanced. Mm-hmm. That you can choose. The problem with human beings is we, we end up thinking we have ch- minimal choices. So if you choose to be angry at the traffic, when we go to look in our toolbox for a, a decision to make about the traffic, we go to the, the whole habit, the template. We be angry. Mm-hmm. We don't know we have a multiple choices. I can be fascinated. I can be interested. I can be curious. But we choose anger, so it's you're right, 100. percent Just to be appreciative yeah. that you have a fucking car. Yeah, yeah, yeah right. <laughs> you're not on the camel or walking or something. Right. I mean, yeah, it's all perspective. Right? Yeah. Gratitude is, yeah. is the quick well, is the quick. Cure. In most situations, you have actually at least two choices. If you're in a situation that you hate, yeah. you can either a accept it, yes. and be okay with the choice. situation, or b change it. Mm-hmm. Choice but two. Most people don't do either one. Most people yeah. stay in the situation. Yeah feel as if they're being forced. They don't realize that they're choosing to be yeah. there. So they don't accept it and they don't change it. And so they live in this constant what state. Are, what are some today. of the things that we do to, to help that though? You know, I think, uh, was it the Stoic philosophers that were, were known for this where they would uh, like one week out of every like year or something like that, they would live like on the streets, broke and poor just to... Give to them a, give them give a you, perspective. Yeah, yeah, to give you that detachment perspective, right? It's so easy we can get caught up in our day-to-day that it's it's tough to do that. You know, we're saying that all of us are sharing all this great information, but to put that into practice well, is really tough. The, the ego is strongest when the body and the mind feel sharp and strong. Now I've got this big ego. I feel powerful. This is why you'll see these uh, super egotistical you know, athletes or, you know, businessmen or whatever, and then they'll get an illness or they'll become old and all of a sudden they're peaceful and because they've been, yeah. they've been forced, they've been forced over there. You can do both. You can be healthy, fit, and vibrant and also have a healthy ego. Man, I love yeah. that you brought that up about the Stoics because I think it's, yeah. it's such a shame in reality that we don't get uncomfortable anymore, which is why mm-hmm. I'm an advocate of fasting. I'm an advocate of, of, you know, I call them ball builder workouts. Like, do something... Not because you expect any particular result other than it's going to make you a man, a better man or, or a woman. Like, fucking work hard. Like, we're so used to – I call it beige. You know, everything is kind of like this this shitty, dull beige. And, and <laughs> yeah. you're never getting any level of excitement. You're never getting any level of, um, like, suffering. Uh, everyone just lives this meager existence. And, you know, in, if you get a little warm, you put on the air conditioning. You get a little cold, you put on the heat, right? You get a little hungry, you eat. Um, human beings would be so advantaged to – Step outside of their comfort zone. Yeah, and, with, and we refuse to do it. I mean, that's why I'm a big advocate of fasting. I, I want to do like a week long fast and see how how shitty it can get, and like smile, man. Every what, time it sucks. You what's smile. the longest fast you've ever done? Forty eight hours. I'm a little longer than forty eight. It's actually so. I did a seventy two. Was a did I do seventy? Well, I did seventy two. Three starting right now. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it's um, you know what's funny? It's not as hard as as you would no. think it is. First twenty four hours is kind of it's a fuck. Shitty. It's a trip, isn't it? Yeah. It's actually easy. Yeah. After a certain point, you stop yeah. wanting food and you start yeah. <laughs> kind of uh, realizing how um, attached. Of course, we're attached to food. You need it to survive. But we're attached to food in a totally, and how totally different way. when you're fasting, right? Like the first 24 hours, you think about, how, you think about food a few times and then it's gone. And then your brain is like clean, on point, oh, right? How clean you are, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you, no you talk about like the beige. Like I, I was just having this conversation with uh, my in-laws, and uh, we were talking about like 
um, basically like, you know, going through life, just you, you realize like how much time has accelerated. So we get back to time and like your, your perception of time. And um, what, what's interesting when you think about it, when you start to kind of get into like your job and you have kids and like things become like protocol based and, and you don't really have like this novelty and, and something that's driving you that's different and you're interrupting that process, it becomes sped up. Yeah. You, you literally feel like time has, has increased in speed. And, it, and I was kind of tripping out on that because it was so true. Like I, I have gone through periods where you feel like I've gotten so efficient and right. your body's adapting to this environment and this, this ritual that you've, you've created for yourself. And, you know, it really is important that we step out of that and, and experience it, you know, in new awesome. ways. Yep. So plus plan spontaneity, right? You got to plan to do something like plan vacation, plan to do something that's just you have to. way out of your routine, or even if it's not planned, wake up one day and go, Hey, we're going here. Isn't that the, the best? reality right it's like that's the way i would love to live my life unfortunately my wife doesn't agree but i'm the kind of guy who's gonna wake up friday and go what do you do what are we doing today let's jump on a plane and go to italy let's go to greece let's go to yeah, south america yeah oh, i fucking love that idea right and we have the opportunity to do that we're very fortunate but unfortunately like some people just don't see that reality man i want to live a life i'm like why not what else you got to do like that's what we're doing this weekend we flew in we're like what are we doing now nothing let's go to napa let's go have some wine like why <laughs> not awesome. right that's that's a pretty sweet existence and i think people miss that a lot of the time yeah studies actually show that when people invest their money in experiences versus things sure. they get far more uh benefit out of it so uh and that nobody wants you to know that because they want you to buy things yeah but, but so instead of buying that studies. new tv you know what i mean instead of buying that new tv or right. instead of getting that new car like yeah. go on a vacation or go on a trip or just look at what you remember from your childhood fuck studies i need to study to tell me that i remember the, the trips i went on with my family you were like that's what stands out in your mind right it's yeah. never like what toy did i get for my sixth birthday like fucking know but i remember <laughs> i remember the places we went and the awesome things we did right that's that's just reality mm-hmm. well that's awesome are you are, are there certain things that you've put into practice that you're training yourself like for example i talk about like uh, katrina and i are always trying to do this together right we're trying to become more present more mindful doing things and something that i've hacked into that's helped our relationship and me personally is like we read a book a month together mm-hmm. and it's like it's normally we're listening to it right we listen yeah. to a book and it's I've seen so much not just benefit in the relationship but myself personally on on different levels that was a small hack for me do you have things like that that you've kind of hacked into that have allowed you to become more of a aware person so speaking to relationships yeah I mean not not the current moment but when we didn't have three kids running around the house my wife and I would do that kind of stuff where we would literally just like at night I'd read a chapter to her she'd read a chapter to me as much as it sounds really cheesy, it's a great way to bond, man. I mean, you know, you're sitting. We the sex really, afterwards is amazing. It's fucking amazing. Yes. You, you <laughs> usually sit like, you know, skin to skin or lying in each other's arms and you'd read to each other. And it doesn't matter, matter what you're reading. It doesn't have to be something cheesy and romantic. You know, oftentimes we're reading things that were relationship oriented or parent oriented because she was pregnant at the time. But like that that's i mean just a great way to bond right. if that's what you're speaking about no no absolutely just things like that in general you know if there's the, in and not just in relationships just hacks and i shared earlier about the at night i would sit there and go over okay these are all the things i did mm-hmm. these were the state changes i mean there's ways for to help people get become or become more aware because i don't think this is something that I get it a lot because we talk a lot about it on the show. And so I'll get these inboxes all the time like, you know, how do I how do I get to that point? I feel like I just get angry or I just get frustrated. Like and then later on I, I don't I don't understand how you do that. Like they don't have things to put you know sure. what I'm saying, more tangible. So again, Alvin will talk about this, but the best way to to realize 
relationships or realize your reactivity in life is to always realize it's a reflection of yourself that you're looking at. So, you know, I always say my kids are my greatest teacher. I don't, I'm not here to teach them. They're here mm-hmm. to teach me. I'm here to protect them. So by looking at them, I see my limitations as a human being. I see my limitations as a parent. And uh, same thing in your relationships, man. If there's something you're unhappy with with your spouse or with someone at work, chances are that's probably what you see in yourself. Oh, not chances. I tell people that that's a reflection of you. So is, every man. every so time is. it's a reflection of you. Yeah, that's why you get so pierced. That's why it pisses you off. Right. Yep. Yeah. Either it's it's your insecurity, it's your fear, it's your uh, you don't feel like you're enough. You know, whatever it is, it's it's all those things, and you're seeing it in them, and they're they're pointing at you know they're like they're sitting there poking at it, and you're just you can't deal with it. And that that's always the reality. Is people always try to point the finger to other people, and I'm just as guilty of this as everybody else. So so I guarantee you, we have a lot of listeners right now who are you know they're just into like I just want to build muscle. Yes, yeah, so I just want to burn body fat. <laughs> yeah. I, I just want to look good, or I, I want to perform great. So Ugh. so let me ask you this: big ben. biceps. So let me ask you this, because you competed uh, at the highest level of bodybuilding um, for years, Um, one of the more well-known bodybuilders, one of the more successful ones. Knowing what you know now about what we're talking about, how could you have used this to make yourself a better bodybuilder back then? Like if you went back in time, what could you have applied that you think would have made you better? Uh, Internal locus of control, man. You control everything. That's massive. If you can figure that out. So every, every how many people you heard when they leave a show, they go, I got fucking screwed. I got a bullshit placing. I should have got placed higher. No, you shouldn't, asshole. You got exactly what you deserve. <laughs> Reality, like I mean, people don't like me because I'm a realist, but it's the, it's the truth, man. It's like, Or someone influenced my prep or something went wrong in my prep or the last week screwed up. No, you got exactly what you deserve. Take ownership for that. Own your life and improve it next time. Because every time you place the ownership outside of yourself, guess what? I can't control that. That's anymore. right. Mm-hmm. But if I if I take ownership, that was why I was a successful bodybuilder, a hundred percent. From day one, I was, you know, if I play shit in the show, I'm like I know what I did wrong. I could have done this better. It was never anybody else. If I had a weak body part, I wasn't like oh genetically fuck. I'm like no, I just wasn't training right, or I didn't do enough, or I didn't do it right, or like whatever it was. Right? Did I always have the right solution? No, but I always knew that I was in control of it. And that's fucking step one for everyone out there. Please, dear Lord, take control for everything in your life, whether it be bodybuilding, bikini, fitness, anything, anything business related in life. Like you're the only, you're the owner of this thing, man. Mm-hmm. You're, you're driving the bus. You're steering the boat. Well, you, you know? said it best. You're the only one that can actually control it. So it doesn't fucking matter. It doesn't even matter if it, this is what I try to tell people. Even if it is the other person's complete fault, it doesn't matter because you can't do anything about that. All you can do is look at all the possible things but that. It's never their, uh, give me a scenario when it's their fault. I can't think of a scenario when it's ever anyone else's fault. Well, I mean, if I reached over and punched you in the face right now, that would be my fault for punching you in the face, and the, and you couldn't. But really, why did you punch me in the face? Right, exactly. Okay, there you go. So <laughs> if you're a psychotic person, that's fine. Maybe I shouldn't be sitting beside you. But if, if I did something to instigate it, then maybe. But it's that's my like, fault. no. And I think that's the attitude, right? Is to that, and you're the type of person that that's how you would look at that. Like, what did I do to piss that person off, or what am I doing? Even in a room with some mm. jackass like that, so mm-hmm. that's the point. See, but someone else doesn't have that ability. Most people go, "Well, you got to some asshole hit me but for they, no reason." But they do have the ability. They just have to realize that they do. Yes. Right? Like mm. people just again, oh, I don't have the ability. What did you just do? I don't. I don't. I don't. Yes, you fucking do. Just change it. Just say like, "Yes, I do have the ability," and I'm going to start right now. Right. You know, it sounds cheesy. It sounds woo, but it's reality, man. Mm. And he's the king of it. Like we talk every Thursday at 9 a.m., and he he keeps me on my word. Like if if some some thing that's coming out of my mouth isn't consistent with my message, like I'm use, use, using the wrong words, he's like, "Hey man, you hear what you said there, right?" And I'm mm. like, "Fuck!" He pays attention to every word, man. I hate him sometimes. <laughs> at the same time, I love it, right? Yeah. Well, it's a what, what's good for the what is it? What is it? What's good for the ego is bad for the soul, and vice versa. Yeah. So uh, 
did you were you practicing things like yoga and meditation and mindfulness when you were competing at your at those levels? And yeah. if you didn't, how would they have helped? So by implementing them. So when I started competing, it was 2005, and I started just because I wanted to get in shape. I got a pharmaceutical sales job, and I wanted to get in shape. And I had no intention of ever being a professional bodybuilder. I loved competing, but I never wanted to be a professional bodybuilder. I, I didn't think it was – I just didn't even think about it. Uh, I, so I didn't love competing. I loved training. 2007, I started taking it more seriously because I won every show that I entered. And then I met this guy. And and then we started this – You know, I'd go see him weekly for therapy. So he was actually my osteopath. And then it would just turn into much more of a psychological session than it was ever a physical session. Um, and then we started talking about stuff like that. It's like – so every basically every year I, that I was a bodybuilder after 2007, which is the entirety of my career, I started to be more mindful. And again, it's it's, it's wow. a journey, man. It's a journey. It has to be, right? Did you it's, practice meditation then? I did. I started right away and I sucked at it like everybody else. And I sat there like, I can't do this shit. <laughs> my mind just won't stop. And that's yeah. that's part of the reality. And and But that's that's what yoga, that's what meditation is. It's like, no, your mind is going to talk. Now, what are some – because we need to sell this to some of the, the bodybuilders listening right now. Because And sometimes you got to do that. Sometimes you have to sell it to them so that they actually try it. Sure. What are some of the benefits you saw in your bodybuilding or your training from the meditation when you started implementing it? Nothing's hard. Everyone goes – That's man, huge. Man, everyone goes, dude, you're the hardest working guy I've ever seen. That. Nothing for me was hard because I always realized someone out there was working harder. Uh, and it's perception. So I always realized, like, I would fucking bury guys in the gym. I would be doing two sets to everyone. Mm -hmm. And I'd stand there with a smile on my face. And these guys like, fuck, you train so hard. I'm like, no, I don't, man. Like, bring in another training partner, and then I'll, I'll do what you do and what they do. And you know, it sounds arrogant, but it's the reality. Like, I did that when I was trying to, you know, really build muscle. Um, but nothing ever seemed hard. And because I was always in control, and I always realized that it's perception is everything. How you perceive an event is massive. So... There's a Navy SEAL out there. There's an marathon or there's an ultra marathon. Like, you know, we I touch a James mm -hmm. Lawrence who did 50 marathons in 50 days mm -hmm. in 50 states or uh, triathlons. Um, there's someone out there working harder, man. This is not hard. This is very short term, very acute. It's not the Tour de France. It's like 45 minutes or se <laughs> 70 minutes of like hell. But then it's it's over. You go eat, chill out, fucking, you know, it's that. So perception is massive and I never felt like anything I did was hard cardio no do you have to do cardio no you get to do cardio like it's all like just changing your perception that was the biggest thing and meditation allowed me to to kind of become aware of that become aware of being present and realizing that um, perception controls your life it's funny when you talk to a lot of uh, pro athletes or you hear a lot of them talking the real successful ones they all point to that the mental side of it. They all talk about that. It's the only almost reason I was successful. Almost none of them talk about the latest technique and no. training, or you know, of course, at that level, everybody's training hard. Everybody's eating right. Everybody's it's a given, right? It's, it's, it's the yeah. the mental piece is is what gives them the edge. But it's such a big part because think about it this way: if you're listening right now and you're struggling with your weight or with the way you look, or struggling with your fitness or your performance. It's not uh, the training and nutrition that's holding you back. Those are definitely the mechanisms that are holding you back. But what's holding back those mechanisms has to do with your mind, so, has to do with your attitude. Right. And that is what you should work on. So speaking to that, mm -hmm. man, and Alvin also give us some more about that. But think about mm -hmm. this. Your body, if your eyes are closed and you have, you're subjected to two different stresses. So one of them is a punch in the face. Um, Adam came over and gave me a punch in the nose. And the other one is I'm getting ready to get under a 600-pound squat. It's the same physiological response. Your body doesn't know the fucking difference. So in, until you learn how to control your response to stress, 
you don't stand a chance of building muscle because as soon as you get a stress response, what happens? Your body starts breaking down. Your body goes catabolic because it's releasing cortisol. So it's going to start mobilizing energy because it's fight or flight, right? You can't grow in fight or flight. It's impossible. So you need to learn to And that's a great control. point because you're not – it's not – you're asking your body to build uh, tissue to adapt to you know weights or whatever, mm-hmm. but what you're doing is you're actually telling your body, "I need to survive right now." So everything else is out the window. Yep. Your body doesn't care about building muscle; it just wants to survive right and now, which is not conducive right. to building muscle. And that's also why people who train who go, oh, "Fuck, I hate training. I don't want to have to do this set. I'm so afraid of it." You don't stand a chance of building muscle. You have to enjoy the process. So if there's some workout you go in and you have a bit of anxiety about it, you don't want to do your cardio, and you're like, oh, I'm hoping I'm going to burn fat. It's, you don't stand a chance because as soon as you do that, you got a cortisol response, and your body goes into protective mechanism, fight or flight. You cannot have the physiological response you're after. Wow. Well, it's, it's simple, right? Which it, it speaks more to what we talked about earlier with the way some of these bikini and bodybuilding guys and girls are prepping for these shows where it's just right. stress after stress after stress. And then, yeah. like you said, praying to God after this third hour of cardio that it's gonna, I'm going to wake up tomorrow and right. hope I'm a little leaner. And, and then add the mental aspect on top of the physical stress. Right. Because right. training stress is a stress, but it's there's different types of stresses, right? You can get oxidative stress. You can get metabolic stress. Um, you know, energetic stresses on the mitochondria. But- Mental stress is, is the way you perceive that stress is different, right? Right. It, they also there's also a feedback. Um, uh, there's famous studies where they'll people will have um, Botox done on their on their frown lines, and uh, what the, what ends up happening is they're unable to frown because they've uh, they've basically paralyzed the muscles that make them frown, so they get rid of the frown lines, and <laughs> they'll come back and report that they feel happier. Because now they can't frown as much. Now, on the flip side, they also become less empathetic because they lose that ability. But it does point to, and there's lots of studies, by the way, that have been done differently that demonstrate this, that your what you do with your face and your body will feed uh, how your mind perceives yes. things and vice versa, how your mind perceives things. So if I'm thinking of like, you know, uh, I need to fix my gut health, so I need to take probiotics and he- eat healthy, but I'm having all these horrible thoughts in my mind, that is going to affect my gut just as much. And not only that, but my gut then affects my mind and it becomes this this cycle. And you ha- so you have to, ta- you can't tackle one piece. It'll never work. Right. It's all or nothing. And this is so why holistic is everything. It's hilarious, but I'll say this quickly. Every time I get them to the most shitty, stressful situation where I know I'm going to be forced to grow, adapt, or I'm not going to succeed, I smile. The hardest workouts, the hardest business scenarios, the biggest fight with my whomever, I always just, man, I just smile because it's my opportunity to grow. And if you can learn that physiological response and see like, hey, man, this is an obstacle. This is an opportunity for you to become a better man. Mm-hmm. God, it's such an it's such an enlightening feeling, man. It's like, oh, I'm in control of this. Yeah. God's given me or whomever's given me an opportunity to grow. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Excellent. Great conversation, gentlemen. Yeah. Great having you on, man. Thank right. you. Thank you for listening to Mind Pump. If your goal is to build and shape your body, dramatically improve your health and energy, and maximize your overall performance, check out our discounted RGB Super Bundle at mindpumpmedia.com. The RGB Super Bundle includes MAPS Anabolic, MAPS Performance, and MAPS Aesthetic. Nine months of phased expert exercise programming designed by Sal, Adam, and Justin to systematically transform the way your body looks, feels, and performs. With detailed workout blueprints and over 200 videos, the RGB Super Bundle is like having Sal, Adam, and Justin as your own personal trainers, but at a fraction of the price. The RGB Super Bundle has a full 30-day money-back guarantee, 
And you can get it now, plus other valuable free resources at mindpumpmedia.com. If you enjoy this show, please share the love by leaving us a five-star rating and review on iTunes and by introducing Mind Pump to your friends and family. We thank you for your support. And until next time, this is Mind Pump. Mind Pump.